0: Truly humble our hearts in a word of
1: prayer.
0: Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for these many natural blessings that you have blessed us with. This rain, even this beautiful summer day that we are experiencing. We would ask that you would continue to be with us, continue to bless us. In these natural things that you so richly blessed us. We ask that you would lead and guide our nation and our leaders. We ask that you would lead and guide each of us, that we could walk, that others could be drawn, and that hearts could be moved towards you, and that you could be given honor and glory. We ask this morning that you would... Through your spirit, open this word. Open our hearts. Open our ears. We ask that you would lead and guide each of us. Give us wisdom and faith to trust in you and hearts that would turn to you. We ask that you would bless this community. Bless them even with a hunger and in need for Christ we ask these things in Jesus name who has taught us to pray our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Should we continue at two eighty four? Oh, three hundred eighty-four, oh, sorry. be greeted this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God, our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I guess singing that last song remind, reminded me of my grandpa Judy, and I can remember him saying it, and I guess it shows our human nature, what we are, that we need to to be reminded of those things, you would say that if we take the time to count our blessings, we don't have time to complain. And it's true, we are extremely blessed, and and yet we find, or I find anyway, that. It takes almost a conscious effort or a conscious thought and effort to swing my thinking to even think about how blessed we are at times or or how good something is and and yet it can be that things are good, and some little thing comes and boom and it seems to bump so that all the bad things in or one bad thing in a whole bunch of good is what seems to show up. And maybe it's just by nature. I don't know. It seems to be our human nature. And I believe that it is part of how we even understand when we look in the Bible and there's a distinction between work as a Christian and we understand that we do not have the ability to work our way to heaven and we read even in Hebrews it tells us that as Christians we are to rest and we look at what Christ said when he was on the cross he said it is finished the work that was needed for our salvation is done. We can't add to it. We can't do anything to make it more done. When something is done, it is done. And Christ did it all. And so we are to rest in that fact. And anything we try to do to add to our salvation, in reality, it it takes away from what Christ has given us. And yet the Bible in some places, it, it talks about working as Christians. And many of the parables even that Jesus speaks, he talks about working in the vineyard or working in a field or doing something like that. And so it is things that we do. And, and it can be a hard thing to explain. And yet I hope as Christians we can understand and just believe that it, It is that, yes, we do these things. And maybe if we look in that, I believe it's the sixth chapter of John there, where they ask that question, what must we do to work the works of God? And, and he tells them, this is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he has sent. And so, that, if I say it explains, or, or, I guess if you say encapsulated, encapsulates the work that we do. But it is, you know, reality a very small thing, because even that that I spoke about, about making a conscious effort to think about the blessings that we are given. Or if something is getting us down... To make a conscious effort to turn in prayer to Christ or something along those lines. It it takes effort. It is work for our natural being. And it doesn't make us Christians. It doesn't save us. But it allows us to walk as Christians. And the reason we do it is because we are Christians. Because we do believe Christ. We believe that what the Bible tells us is true. And even that, in a sense, can be difficult for our natural minds to do. Because some of this word of God, it's difficult for our natural reasoning because it is contrary to our natural reasoning. I mean, if we think about it, in the natural sense, so much of what is in there—it's so contrary to our natural reasoning and it doesn't make sense to it. How that someone could have died 2,000 years ago and that is a benefit to me today, more benefit than anything else that has happened in the world. And for me to take hold or take advantage or to use that to my greatest benefit, I just have to believe it. But then even believing that causes our natural flesh problems because we can say, yeah, well, I believe God, I believe the word of God. Or this, this Bible, if I say it, is the word of God. Well then, if we do that, then we have to start applying it. And as soon as we start applying it to our human nature, all of a sudden we find that there's conflict there. Many times how God would have us deal with the situation is at great odds how our human nature wants to handle it. And if we try and, and overcome our natural inclination, we can to some degree, and maybe at some times we can, but we have to turn and seek the strength of that Spirit of God even to overcome Our nature. And then it takes, I don't know what to say, effort in some ways. We can say that, well, yes, this word of God is true. Okay. But then if we believe that it is true, but then is it sufficient for everything that we deal with in life? And as Christians, I would hope it is. It needs to be. It's sometimes hard for my natural reasoning to believe that the answer to all questions I have are are found in this word of God. And that the spirit can reveal them. If that is the desire of my heart. I find... And I don't know why it didn't dawn on me years ago, but it actually, amazingly enough, isn't that long ago that I come to realize that it it, it isn't that I can't find the answer to questions in here. It's that sometimes I can't find the answer that I want to hear. And I repeat myself, and, and I'm sure many of you have heard the story mum telling. That that obviously hasn't changed. Human nature is the same from when they're this high till you're this high. You can ask questions, but you already have a preconceived idea of what you want the answer to be. And that's just how it should be in my mind. But God, He will give us the answer that is the best for our undying portion. Yes, God cares about the natural things and even we can read in, in, in I can't think of which maybe it's more than one gospel where it tells about how he sends the rain on the just and the unjust and the sun comes up for the just and the unjust and it, it is an amazing thing in a way how in this natural world That we live in. God is so gracious. That in many cases. He cares. Like the rain. We saw that. And any of us. Who farm and even those who don't. We could recognize. That it wasn't that many. Weeks ago. And we were putting it in my terms. Scary dry. We were getting to the point where. If we didn't get some moisture. Things were going to be very devastating God knew that and maybe I'm if I say one of the I don't know how to word this for me it was a very clear and blunt answer if I say it I got done seating late Saturday evening and during the night we got a sprinkle and it started a beautiful (laughs) excuse me a beautiful rain Sunday morning and this is what we have and I I was thankful and I am thankful and we understand that God does care but it didn't just come and rain on my field, it came and rain on the whole country on people who (coughs) maybe have no time for God and it shows us an example of how we are to be. Yes, we are to be good to our fellow believers, but we are to be good to those around us too. And and you can't, I don't think, put any, well, it's more important that you be good to believers because they're your brothers and sisters in faith. But then we can say, well, it would be more important that you would be good to unbelievers, that they could see the love of God and be drawn I don't think there is a more important the most important is that we would be obedient to the prompting of God to be good and loving to whoever it is that we are in contact with and that we would be willing to share yes natural health but even more importantly that gospel message what Christ has done for all our souls. For a text this morning I'll turn to a a very familiar portion I'm sure to all of us it's in the Gospel of Luke the 18th chapter. And we'll start reading at the 9th verse and I'll read through the end of the four, sorry end of the 17th verse. Reading in Jesus' name. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And they brought unto him also infants, that he should touch them. But when his disciples sought, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer, little children, to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Amen. This isn't an overly long text, and yet... I believe that there's so much in this portion of scripture and in some ways it seems to be, there's two parts to the text that I wrote, read. And I guess we will look at it as the spirit opens. It tells us right off here that the, what the motivation Christ had for speaking this parable that he spoke this parable unto the certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. If we know the history of the time when Christ came, there was several religious groups in Jerusalem or in Israel at that time that practiced Varying degrees, but or varying types, but very strict religion, supposedly according to God and the law, but in all those cases, it, it would appear or it or was the fact that man had added a whole bunch of things just to make God's rules a little bit better. And they felt that in doing that it it made them a little holier than the next person who didn't do that. And I can't say this with absolute certainty but if I remember correctly or I think this is correct those type of people if we look at The words of Christ's ministry when he was here in those worlds. Those type of people were the ones that Christ got after. That he talked, if I say, harshly to at all. We look at the world around us and there's people who, they don't live very godly lives at all. And we can read in the Bible about some of these people, that's the way they were. Their lifestyle was very contrary to what the word would talk about. And yet, we find in places, and even these Pharisees, they even got after Christ and said, why would you eat with these publicans and sinners? And the Pharisees, if I understand it correctly, and this perhaps doesn't matter at all, it's just sort of history, but they, they were not the most, or the largest of the different sects that, sects that were practicing this religious rituals and that of the law, but they were, if you say, the, considered the most strict of that group. Of those groups. And they were always, on Jesus' case, trying to trip him up. Because he had harsh words for them. And yet these other ones, and just using some of the places where they say, they got after him for eating with publicans and sinners. They were people that even society looking on didn't think they were very good people. They were unholy. And yet Christ had time for them. He had kind words for them. He did not ever condone what they were doing. And I think that you need to remember that. And yet he had time for them. And he was very kind in his corrections of their lives. And he tells. He died for sinners. He didn't come and die for righteous men. Now, if we look at that from a... I don't know what perspective you want to call it, but it isn't that he didn't die for those people but anybody who thinks that what they do or their own righteousness that they've concocted by living in a certain way is good enough to get them to heaven that they don't need Jesus. They have no need for what he did in their mind. We as Christians understand that, yes, they have as much need as anybody else and and all those things that they do that are to make them so good The Bible tells us that in God's eyes, they're filthy rags. And it wasn't that they didn't do good things. And I think it would be on us to look at ourselves, look around us, and and consider, is what we are doing to look good for people, or is it to look good for man? I mean for God, I read, in, or I spoke, I read in the text last week that told us that when we are doing our jobs, it doesn't, we are to not to worry about who is watching or who isn't watching, we are to do the best job possible because God sees. And that in reality is who we're wanting to to notice and to bless us. And I think we can apply that same thinking to all our lives, or all aspects of our life. that we would do the best, but not so that we would look good in the eyes of people, but that we would be good simply because we are obedient to how God directs us to walk. It says two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. And maybe all of us know this. I, I mentioned about the Pharisees, but the publicans—they were—they were people who, <clears throat> if I understand, were usually probably Jewish people also, and yet they worked under the Roman. Government and Roman tax system and they would collect the taxes from the common Jewish person and then they would pay it to the, to the government. Or like they were the intermediaries so to speak. And they were obviously disliked by people just for that fact because they did not like the Romans. They did not like the rule that they had to live under. And so these people were a living close, if I say, example of someone that you could fo- focus your frustration on the government on. And then the other, perhaps, I don't know whether it's more bigger or littler, but it seemed to be a well-known thing. These men had the power to collect taxes But basically they could be dishonest with the people and tell them that you needed to pay ten dollars when you only had to pay whatever it was, five or four or eight or whatever. And then they would just skim off the top, and they became wealthy by being dishonest. And so they were despised by basically everybody. And so From the natural point of view, these are the two people that Jesus is using as examples in his parable. One that in the natural eyes of the people looks like a very upright religious man. And the other one is a slimy crook, if you put it that way. And yet we see that both of them were praying to God. And they were in the temple praying. And the reason that I mentioned that, that they were in the temple, we could turn back to, I don't know if I can turn to it, it's in, probably in Samuel, maybe in Chronicles too, anyway I won't try to find it, but when when Sam, oh goodness, when Solomon built and dedicated the temple and they sacrificed and he prayed and asked God that he would come and dwell there. And that his name would be there. And God came. And he appeared to Solomon. And he said. Yes I will be there. And his glory filled the temple. And he makes the promise. That it doesn't matter. Where anybody is. Or what problem they have. This is Shane's words. Of what was said. That if they will turn. And pray. And pray. To the temple, he will hear. And he will hear their prayer. And it doesn't matter if they're Jew or whoever they are. If they pray to that temple, he will hear it. And so we see that both of these men are praying in the temple. And I think that... that that it shows that there's both of them believe that there is God. And it is good that we do that. It's good that we would turn our hearts to him and pray to him. It says the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. And even there we see a, an interesting thing. And I believe that it, like it, it isn't a mistake how it's worded here. It says that he prayed with himself. Yes, he was at the temple there. And I believe that when we pray to God, we are to pray humbly. And I don't think we can understand the fullness of the difference between us and God. But as Christians we can have a bit of an idea and it should humble us. Because God is so much more and bigger than we are. And even the fact that we can pray to Him is a privilege that we have because of what Christ has done and because He has And he has lived up this promise that he would be the intermediary between us. Because on our own, we would be hopeless. And this man we see here, that he really did not need, in his mind, Christ. He was basically talking... Almost, if you say, talking to himself, and yet ex- trying to explain to God of how good of a person he was, and he was glorying in that. Says, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adult, adulterers, and even as this publican. And here we see how it is that there is so many things that we cannot begin to see the true perspective of things unless we are given enlightenment by the Spirit and the Spirit reveals more of the fullness of what is there. Because just looking through our our natural eyes, when he said that I am not as other men and he names these things, I totally believe in the natural sense that is absolutely true. He probably wasn't an extortioner or an adulterer, and he wasn't like that publican at all. He was extremely different. It is true. What he was saying is true. And I think we as people have to be careful because we can look at others and think, I'm glad I'm not like that person because we maybe aren't if someone was to look at us with natural eyes. But the problem is with that is from God's perspective when he looks at the heart we are just like everybody else. Human nature is human nature. And the Bible tells us God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it is true. But I believe, even though it doesn't say it in the Bible, in so many words, but I believe it tells us this exact thing in various ways. Human nature, the same since the beginning of time, now and until the end of time. God made Adam and Eve. The same human flesh that we are. He, he made them, if I say perfect, and they were put into a perfect world. And yet we see the results, and we can re- read how quickly, and I don't know the time frame, but it does not appear to be very long, before human nature showed what it was. The devil came and he sinned. She went along and, if I say believed, the lies that she was told. Went along with them. Fell into sin and Adam did the same thing. We're no different. We have no different nature than that. And when he says here that he thanks God that he's not like other men, the truth of the matter is before God, he's lying 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 right there he's lying to himself because he's not admitting even that these things can all be found in, in his nature too and it's only through the if I say only through the strength of the spirit that we don't deal with those things constantly He's lying to God because he's not admitting that those things are part of what he deals with. And he's also looking down on this man that they're praying with him. And as people, it doesn't matter who we are we are no better than anybody else except by the grace of god if we are the sin that we are is forgiven to us and that should not make us look down on anybody but humble us and and turn our hearts to be thankful for God that he has been so gracious to me. He then gives a little bit of a... If I say, tells what good things he does. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And I'm sure he did these things. And the amazing thing is that we as Christians, or I could even say this publican, he could do those same things. And maybe we should do these, some of these things. But not that it would make us good in the eyes of God or do anything towards our salvation. This man was looking at it as something good that he was doing. There's the place, I don't know why I can't this morning think of where, oh, it's it's actually the previous page in my Bible. And the apostles asked Jesus to increase their faith. This is the beginning of the 17th chapter. And they asked Jesus if he would increase their faith. And he tells them the parable about the grain of mustard seed. And then it says this part, Which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him, By and by, when he's come in from the field, go and sit down to me, and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all these, those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. These people, they were to fast, they were to give tithes. But it was not to add value to who they were. If we do these things, (coughs) and and that in one way it seems like a a difficult thing for me to understand at times. How, because our, I guess, way of thinking in some ways has, has changed some. But if your slave is out working in the field and he comes in, you don't tell him sit down and eat and then come feed me. You would have him feed you and then he can eat his meal afterwards. And it doesn't make him a better slave that he does it. It's just he's doing what he's supposed to do. And that's how we are. We do these things not to make us better or make us better Christians, but just because that's what we're to do. It says and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven but smote upon his breast saying god be merciful to me a sinner we see a clear distinction between the eloquence of the prayer that are prayed here. And I think it gives us a little bit of insight into how it is that we are to worry about praying. I think we are to just pray. Sometimes we are in a situation where it is proper and right and good to pray, if I say in a more formal way. Sometimes we're in a situation where it's just the cry of our heart to God. And it might be as simple as help or whatever it is. It's not the formality or the eloquence. It is where the heart's at. And I believe that it even points to that here. Because it shows us not by even just telling us, but by this man's actions of where his heart was. He was humble before God. And he was in, if I say, a place of contrition because he understand that he very much should be humble before God because what he had done did not measure up to God's standards in any way, shape, or form. And the only thing that he was standing on is that he understood or had been told or it was revealed to his heart that he was dealing with a merciful God. And yes, we can read in the Bible that God is just and harsh and and he can be angry. But he is also merciful. And he promises in just as many places or maybe even more, that if we will turn to him humbly he will hear and so I think that even just in it telling us of where this man's how this man's actions were it shows what kind of a heart that he was coming before God with and I think that that it is important to remember that we would not come to God with a proud heart, with anything that we would have to offer God, as this public or this Pharisee did. He was proud of what he had done. He was proud of how he looked to the world around him. He was proud that he was doing what God said and standing on God's word. And not that it's anything wrong with doing what God says or standing on God's word. We are to do that. But we are to do it with humility. Because our ability to do that and stand on the word of God in truth and and rightly comes by the guidance of the spirit of God. we do not we are given I guess on both, in both of these men's cases we are given a little tiny glimpse uh, of their life and we don't know what it was that happened prior to them being in the temple how God had worked in, in this publican's heart to bring him to this place of humility or what had worked in this publican's life whether it was that he'd grown up the whole time in in Israel there and so this message was there of where to come and find God but obviously all these things had happened God had worked in his heart he put that message of where to come and find God And also he had worked in this man's heart so that he recognized that he had nothing to offer. That he was a sinner. It wasn't that he he had, oh well God, I have done this one sin here. No, he could feel and see, I'm sure to the core of his being, that he was sin and he had absolutely nothing to offer to God. And also there must have been that understanding in his heart that there was a heaven where he desired to be, and a hell that he could see where he was, that that's where he was headed, on the road that he was on. And he had nothing but some understanding that there was a merciful God that he could turn to. And I believe that that, as Christians, would be our desire that God would work in hearts. That people could understand they're sinners. And they're on the road simply saying they're going to hell. Unless they turn to God. But, God is merciful. And he can be found dwelling in the heart of his believers here. And we would encourage people to seek him. And be, we would share that message. That all of us. And that everybody can believe that the sinner that they are. That those sin is forgiven in the name and blood of Christ, not because of what I have done, not because I say it, but because Christ did it, we can believe that. And the Bible doesn't say, "Well, these sins qualify, but these ones you have to take care of some other way." No. It said, "Without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin." That's true. But the blood of Christ was shed on the cross and sin is paid for. And we can encourage people to believe that. And it doesn't tell us what worked in this publican's heart. And I believe part of the reason is because God works in every heart differently. And he draws every heart to the place of where this public is in. Publican is different. But we see the result of that. When that heart that God worked in. Turned and relied. If I say on the mercy of God. Which I say relied on what Christ has done. Because we have nothing to offer. Jesus tells us the result of that. And it's a wonderful thing. So I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. What does justified mean? It means that you are considered just and holy and righteous before God in this case. Because of what Christ has done, this man believed it, he humbled himself. And because of that, God saw him, looks on him as just. And also, if I say, add words, holy and perfect.
1: It, it isn't
0: that he changed all of a sudden. He was probably still the same publican that he was before, except. But now, the Spirit of God dwelt there, which is perfect and holy and righteous. And because Christ did what he did, we can call that ours. And we can believe that we are perfect and holy and righteous in the eyes of God. He said he's justified rather than the other. This Pharisee, he looked good to the world. And the reality is that is who he was trying to look good for. Yes, he made a claim to God and he was Claiming to follow God's word and to live as God would have him do. But, I don't believe, well I, it isn't that I don't believe it. He never did, or he, to this point anyway, we don't know any more about his life than this little glimpse either. But to this point, he had never found himself in the place of this publican where he could see that he was sin and he needed the mercy of God. No, he felt that he had done something that God should look favorably on him because of how good he was. And we would hope that he would have, would, before he died, come to the place of this Pharisee. Because all of us must. There isn't some people that are good enough that, no, they don't have to humble themselves before Almighty God. We all need to. It says, For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. It's just how it is. If we are humbled before God, He will exalt us, because the perfection of Christ becomes ours. And we understand that he glorified Christ because he glorified God. And we become glorified because through Christ we are perfect. And we are children of God. But if we are going to exalt our goodness and try to show our goodness to the world and it doesn't matter how we do that he shall be abased we will be put down we can think we look pretty good to people but I'm sure all of us have experienced where there's someone that's working very hard and maybe they are good people but hypocrisy shows up pretty quick <laughs> Then this portion here, and I maybe should have, in one sense, split these up because we've run out of time, but it speaks about infants, and we could go so much into that, and it explains so much of what questions there are in the world here when it tells us that they are, like the... um, Sorry, Jesus said that they, you need to... Forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. And even there, we could look at the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And it isn't exactly laid out that way, but most of the time, the kingdom of heaven speaks about the natural church, the kingdom of God speaks about that spiritual church that we are by members spiritually that you can't see with the natural eyes. And yet, These infants are part of that. And it shows of how big of understanding and how theological you have to be to be a Christian. As much as an infant. That's how much you need to be a Christian. You simply believe. And trust God. And trust in his mercy. Because he is merciful. This publican, he found out that God was merciful. What he had heard was right. And I hope that all of us have experienced that also. That we can say, because of our own experience, that God is merciful. Yes, we are sinners. doesn't matter who we are. If anyone claims they're not a sinner, the... We can turn to First John there and it says they're a liar. It flat out says that. Anyone who says that they don't sin is lying. And that's sin. So you add that on top of it. But we can turn to Christ. And we are encouraged. And if I say, this is a picture here of repentance. It says, Repent. Because then the work of Christ can be accomplished. And that forgiveness that is needed and available can be applied to a heart through the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. And we can believe that and trust that. And I pray that we all can understand that from the simplest to the greatest, it is simply believing in Christ. Not in what we've done, but what Christ has done. Let us put our faith in that. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we humble our hearts and receive the benediction? May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Um, I'll mention two things. Stowne <coughs> so um let me know, and maybe I don't know how many of you already know this, but um, there was a due for Rick a memorial for Rick Petterchuk at the hall yesterday, and Patty got a hold of um Sue so and there was lots of food and whatever left over, and she asked if we would want to um, use it and and eat after church, and so Sue so Ann offered that anybody who wants to is welcome to come to her place, and there's food there, so leftovers from the to do at the hall yesterday, so please feel free to welcome to, to join us at Sue so Um, after the service you're more than welcome and the other thing is jackie got a hold jackie worried um got a hold of me and said that next sunday after church at sylvan there's their annual sunday school picnic and and we're all invited and encouraged to come you can go to church too but it's right after service so i think so that'd be about noon so you're welcome to go for Sunday school picnic next Sunday at Sylvan. It's right at the church. I made mistake. state number here is 419 up for 419? It's number Okay. So 419, so we close with 419.